Hey, welcome to the CMO Whisper Show. I'm your host, Steve Olensky, part marketing practitioner, part ad agency veteran, part journalist. I was a writer for Forbes for 10 years. I've had so many insightful conversations over the years with business leaders, to athletes, to celebrities, to, of course, CMOs. The only difference now is instead of sharing those insights through written form, I'm doing it this way. My guest this week is Marissa Solis. Marissa is Senior Vice President, Global Brand and Consumer Marketing for the NFL, where she leads all global brand and consumer marketing initiatives for the league, including all national advertising, both traditional and digital, in-stadium marketing, and new fan development. She began her career in brand management at Procter & Gamble Latin America, where she led marketing for brands such as Ariel, Downey, and Pampers in Central America and the Caribbean. In 2003, she joined PepsiCo's Frito-Lay North America division, and during her 18-year tenure, she led numerous brand marketing initiatives and national campaigns for globally renowned food and beverage brands like Doritos and Pepsi. In 2021, Marissa was recognized by Adweek as one of the most powerful women in sports for elevating the football-watching occasion with the NFL and Frito-Lay partnership. Marissa, I don't know how you find time to breathe, let alone eat or have a life. After all that, it's an incredibly imp- impressive background. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me, Steve. This will be fun. It, it will be a blast. We've had numerous conversations kind of off the air. So we're recording this about 10 days out from the big game. I'm allowed to say Super Bowl, right? You can say Super Bowl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going back to my old ad agency days. So I'm being facetious. The Super Bowl is about <laughs> 10 days away. Neither one of our teams are in, by the way. I'm an Eagles fan. Marissa's a Cowboys fan. So be that as it may. So I saw the other day on LinkedIn, you shared, I believe it was like a six or seven tease of the new NFL branded spot that's going to debut during the Super Bowl. I know you can't give away the farm, right? But what can you share with my listeners ahead of the game about the new spot? Yeah, I can share a a few things. You know, I think last year you saw how special the Diana Flores story was. And it really was breakthrough for the league because we talked about an initiative that not a lot of people have heard about. In that same vein, we're going to tell a very, very special story that I think will touch people's hearts. And it is about a very real initiative that's very important to the league that not a lot of people have heard about. So I'm very, very excited. I can tell you that this spot was shot in Accra, Ghana. Mm. It was directed by a Nigerian director and the staff was a completely fully Ghanaian staff. The star of our commercial is a Nigerian as well. And there's a lot of, uh, little uh, surprises along the way and star appearances. So it's going to be very special. I'm very excited. I I cannot wait. Are you able to tell us how long the spot is? We will run. So you saw, I believe, a 15-second teaser last Mm -hmm. this past weekend. During Pro Bowl games, you're going to see another 30-second teaser. And -hmm. it really kind of will set the stage for the story. And then you'll see a two-minute spot in the Super Bowl right right after halftime. Yeah, exactly. I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I love, you know, the teaser with the with the players involved and just taking them in their in their uniforms, but putting them in such a different location. Yes, that's going to be incredible. It will be incredible. So tune in. I, 
I'll, I'll be tuned in, believe me. So I think the first thing and or the next thing I want to ask about, and this is very interesting to me, it's the globalization, right? Now, the league's been, if you're a fan of the league and if you're not, the NFL has been in playing regularly outside of the U.S. for how many years, Marissa? In London especially, right? That's where. Yeah, gosh, don't quote me on this, but it's been, I mean, over 20 years that we've been playing, you know, a game abroad. Uh, in London, we've been playing in Mexico. We started playing in Germany. So, yes, slowly but surely, we've been starting to play around the world. So, you know, if people listening who are a, quote, U.S.-only brand, which the NFL was, right, how do you, like, if you're in front of a bunch of marketers who are U.S.-based and only sell, but they want to expand, how do you grow that global fan base? Yeah, I, I think it's really, really important because we are, I think, arguably the biggest sport in America, And while we're present around the world, I wouldn't call us a global sport yet, nor a global platform. And that's our aspiration, right? In 10 years, we want to be, you know, the biggest global sport and entertainment and media platform in the world. And that doesn't just mean going to play games all over the world. It certainly helps. That means connecting with each and every audience that's out there, right? So really understanding what the fan base around the world cares about, what jazzes them up, what motivates them, not just sports, but in general, right? And and really trying to connect our brand and what we stand for, which is all about this epic possibilities and, and, you know, this notion of this incredible game bringing people together. How do we take that promise and make it relevant for everybody around the world, whether you're watching in China or Brazil or Africa. So there has to be, not to state the obvious, but there's got to be some kind of educational. There's definitely an educational component. I think, you know, as any global brand, the promise that our brand brings is very universal. It's very human and universal. And so we, we're going to double down on that promise, right? That the notion again of epic possibilities, that this game is bigger than ourselves, right? That the sport brings us all together. We we will double down on that, but it's beyond that, right? We have to connect at a very real level to different cultures. And so making sure that we create a strategy that connects both at the local level, but also builds a global brand you know, we're going to have to be very meticulous and very careful about doing that. Yeah, I, I get the feeling that, you know, a brand like the NFL is known around the world, but it's the education sometimes of actual, the actual game itself, right? The rules. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the education of the rules, the ins and outs, who the players are, who the teams are, you know, how everything comes together. And I wish it was that simple, only the education, um, because I think it's also the cultural component. We are such a part of pop culture in America, and that carries forth, right, globally. And so how do you bring together the education around the game, the impact that we want to have in local communities, and then tie it all up in this pop culture piece that is very much a global phenomenon, not you know, not just a local phenomenon. How how was it decided, you know, where the next market will be? Like, how, how does the league, how do you guys decide, like, let's try this country? Yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple factors. Like any, like any brand trying to decide which country, you know, 
what's the next country? It's uh, really understanding the addressable marketplace. Some of it is around the fan base and how much of a foundation we already have there and how easy it would be to, you know, grow and convert that fan base. But some of it, frankly, is logistics in the local market, right? Are we able to go in and play? What is the media landscape in that market look like? What does it look like in terms of, quote unquote, your competition, right? Are there other sports that, you know, are clear winners in that country? And how would we be, come in and, you know, be able to offer something different and unique? So there's a lot of different components that come into the decision making. I think fan base is by far the biggest, right? Knowing that there is a foundation of people that would be excited to have the league come in and that would add, right, to that excitement that would actually go to games, participate, engage and 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 build the brand. Yeah, I would imagine there's some kind of ahead of time an awareness, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, what kind of what what, what you know, show of hands, who knows the NFL, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Awareness is a big piece of it, yes. Yeah, exactly. Now, you touched on use the fan base, and I'm interested, how, how does the current NFL fan base look now in terms of, I mean, I, we can slice this any way you want, by gender, by age, you know, by generation, is, is Gen Z more or less, is Alpha, is Y, is Boomers? Tell us a little bit about how the current fan base breaks down. Yeah, I mean, you know, by definition, if you ask everyone in America, if you're an NFL fan, probably about 75% of the country will say they are indeed an NFL fan. So we have quite quite a large audience, right? Then, then you can break it into, are you a casual fan? You know, you watch Super Bowl, you maybe watch one game. Are you an avid fan and you're watching and engaging every day? And then we do split it across demographics. And we've seen a real shift, particularly in the last two years, in terms of that component of that fan base. You know, it used to be pretty homogenous, right? Center of the country, tended to be older. It is now shifting and we're seeing a lot more women come into the mold or into the fold. We're seeing um, a lot more of the younger generation. So when I say younger 35 and under, Gen Z's playing a pretty important role in terms of the fan base makeup. And then you also start to see a big spike in terms of multicultural audiences. So big spike with our Latino audiences, our African-American audiences, even our Asian-American audiences. As we start to look at the segments, you're starting to see a spike in terms of, in terms of who's watching and who's engaging. I think a lot of that is driven by Gen Z, right? Because by definition, that generation is so much more multicultural that mm-hmm. as we appeal to and start to gain more younger fans, just by definition, those younger fans will tend to be a lot more diverse and multicultural. And is it fair to say then, do you, in your role, look at the way you market and promote to a given generation based and then look at the platform? Meaning, Gen Z is more likely to be on TikTok kind of thing versus traditional broadcasts for an older generation. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, like every other brand, it's about relevance, right? We have to stay relevant to our audience. And so you need to be where your audience is. So first and foremost, you know, the, the message needs to be timely. So while there's a lot of timeless 
you know, things about the league. There's a lot of timeless principles. There's a lot of timeless benefits, timeless things that the league offers. You have to convey them in a timely way, right? In a way that that really engages is with the audience. I think the second piece is channels. You said it. Channels are key because the younger generation certainly aren't engaging in traditional channels like linear, like the older generations are, right? Things are changing. And as, and as you start to see you know, the fragmentation of media, we have to be wherever those audiences are. And that means, you know, streaming, mobile, and, you know, fun platforms like TikTok and Instagram and and all of these things where these younger generations go to, you know, YouTube, where they go to for entertainment. If we're not there, it's very hard to get them to watch you know, in a traditional linear channel that they're not engaging in every day. Does the league, like within your teams, are they are they split, divided by like that kind of like demographic? We're not split by demographic. We're not even split by channel, Steve. I, hmm. I would say our team is very integrated. I mean, you know, first and foremost, my team is all about the brand and that global message and, and what our consumers are in, and our fan base are looking for. We very much focus on new audiences. That's a big part of our focus is how do we grow the fan base. Mm-hmm. But my peers, you know, you've got Ian Trombetta. He leads social and influencer marketing. And that is intricately tied to what I do because my message can't get out there without, you know, social media and without engaging with the creator economy. My other peer, Andy Kaufman, you know, heads up all of our insights and analytics. So he's very much embedded in our team to kind of guide us through, you know, what are the best channels? Mm-hmm. Where do you find the audiences? How do you engage, you know, this fan journey versus that fan journey? Because the fan journey of, you know, Taylor Swift, you know, Swifty that just came into the game because Taylor happens to be in the audience is a very different fan journey than, a New York Jets fan that's been watching his Jets for 30 years and, you know, watches every Sunday loyally. So right. very, very different. Um, All right. Okay. Since you went there and you brought her I up. I did go there. I did go there. <laughs> you knew, you know, it's coming. I um, knew. Yes. Everybody wants to know, you know, the, the I've heard it called the Taylor Swift effect from your position. How do you describe this like phenomenon, if you will? Yeah, I I will tell you, it's something that we never thought would happen. It's something that we certainly didn't create, but it is something that I think our team was ready for because you always have to be ready for culture, right? Culture happens and you got to be ready to to react and to live it and, and to amplify it. And when everything went down, I mean, I remember it was actually the day that we announced the Usher halftime show. That was the day where, you know, we heard, oh, you know, Travis Kelsey asked Taylor Swift if he could go to her concert. And then now she shows up at a game and all of a sudden this thing blows up and it just goes viral. And at first it was, hey, let's go with culture. Let's amplify the moment. Let's have fun. But I think over time we realized the massive opportunity of the new fans or potent, I would I should say potential fans coming in, right? Because you start hearing, 
you know, about, oh, my daughter is watching the game with me now because she wants to see, you know, she wants to see Taylor on the screen. And, oh, now, you know, Swifties are interested Mm -hmm. in the NFL. And by the way, I always say this when I talk about Taylor because it's always about Swifties being interested in the NFL. But you should know that there was a massive percentage of our NFL fan base that had no idea who Taylor Swift was. So the education was <laughs> double-sided, you know, which which was a lot of fun. But I think back to your question, it really was about identifying and grabbing onto that opportunity of, gosh, if we've got all these young Swifties, all these young girls tuning in, how do we how do we capture them? How do we keep them here, whether Taylor's at the game or not, right? So to your earlier point, do we educate them about the game? Do we make the game fun and engaging? How do we make sure that they stay for more than just her, right? And, and actually right. get involved and engaged. So huge, right. and ha- huge opportunity. Exactly. And, and you know, how do we get them to, to watch not just Chiefs games, <laughs> You know, kind of like oh, for sure, and and you know, right. I I will also say and give a lot of credit to my peer Ian and that social influencer team. This has been going on for quite a while. Taylor just happens to be the most famous of player girlfriends, but there is a phenomenon where player girlfriends, player wives, you know, they're out there, they're on social media, they're commenting on the game, they have their own yep. lives. And our fans, particularly Gen Z, are very interested in what's happening, you know, in player wives, player girlfriend, kind of because it's they're different verticals, right? A lot of it is about fashion, a lot of it is about music, about pop culture. And so that's not something that's new. That is something we've been seeing for a while. And that's really part of the strategy of how we engage with Gen Z. I think Taylor just came in and absolutely multiplied it. You know, it's, it's with her, it's the multiplier effect in everything she does. So it just made it big and, and more relevant. I think not to put words in your mouth, but the lesson for other brands, right. Is you couple, you have to be at the ready. So like you said, pop culture can come and go in a second. Yeah. And you have to be at the ready to, and I hate to use this word cause it sounds well, capitalistic, but capitalize on the the moment to expand this into how other what other brands can learn, and I don't just mean professional leagues; just any brand can can learn from what the NFL has done to fully take advantage. Say what you want, but that's really and it's it's incredible. I think you said it. You have to be at the ready, but you also have to be vulnerable to culture mm. because it just happens, right? And I hear many marketers out there talk about how, oh, you know, we're at the forefront of culture and we create pop culture. And I'm going to call BS on that because I don't think any brand creates pop culture. Pop culture is out there and we just need to be, to your point, we need to be there to ready to engage. But anyone that claims to create it, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's going a little bit too far. Now, look, you know, one of the most popular and most famous examples of this includes the NFL, and that's the Oreo. Oh, <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's textbook how a brand can capitalize on it a moment. Just happens, you know. You don't plan for that kind of stuff. No, no. So that it's, that's that's the living embodiment, the case study of something happens, boom, you act on it for sure. 
let's shift to the ever-changing media landscape, right? And you know, because you heard it, I'm sure, firsthand about the big, at least initial uproar when the one playoff game was on streaming only, right, on Peacock. And then it turned out to be, as you aptly put it, or I think you shared on your LinkedIn, it, it broke records, right? So let's start with what kind of feedback, although I could probably fill in the blanks, and what people were saying, because I'm sure a lot of people were not happy, but then the outcome, the after effect is, look at this, we're setting records. Yeah, I mean, I think change is hard, you know, and when you're a viewer and you're used to a certain way of, you know, watching your games and all of a sudden, you know, you're asked to subscribe somewhere or, you know, it's behind a paywall. Yeah, I can understand it's frustrating. At the same time, it wasn't anything new. I mean, we have an entire season on Amazon, on mm-hmm. Thursday Night Football, right? So there's already precedent there. We had another Peacock game earlier in the year. This just happened to be a very important playoff game, you know, with some with some key teams that it was kind of must-watch TV. But the reality is, you know, you, you have to go with you, where your audience is going and where the trends are going. And we know that the younger audiences are streaming. This is how they're consuming content. And so for us, it, it's not that we're trying to charge money or exploit the fan base. It really is about making sure you're going, you know, where the puck <laughs> skating to where the puck is going to continue to remain relevant. I mean, luckily we are still relevant on linear. You know, we're still commanding massive audiences. I believe that the latest number I saw for this weekend's game was massive. I mean, mm-hmm. over 50 million viewers, you know, watch watch that playoff game, that Detroit 49ers game. Insane, right? On linear. But at the same time, like more and more people are turning to streaming. And so if we're not there, the danger is three, four, five years from now, your audience will be in a completely different place that you're not. And so that's the part of the strategy, right? Is making sure that we start to carve out those territories so that we continue to be relevant, we continue to be where our audiences are, and football goes uninterrupted, right? For lack Mm. of a better term. Exactly. Let's talk about partnerships for a second. I know the brand has had many, many partnerships, including with, you know, brands like Disney, and then the Toy Story franchise. How do you determine, when I say you, I mean the brand, when it comes to partnership, which brands are, are, are right to partner with? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, it also has to do with our broader strategy, right? So we have our corporate partners, you know, our broadcast partners. You know, in the case of Toy Story and Disney, I mean, that was a very natural collaboration because of the work that we do with ABC, ESPN, you know, every mm-hmm. every every day. And so for us, really understanding the broader offerings that our partners bring to the table and where maybe a piece of those offerings can connect or synergize with a piece of what the league is doing, that's where the magic is. Because sometimes, you know, you bring two entities that are so massive together and it's easy to just kind of do what's expected, right? Two massive properties, let's advertise, let's make sure, you know, We've got the the games on, live games, things like that. It's a lot harder to sit back 
and really collaborate with these partners and say, hey, what's in your arsenal that maybe we don't know about that could be big if we brought it together with what we have? And opening the kimono a little bit, for lack of a better term, to say, look at all these other things we're doing. Is there anything you're doing that might connect. And when you're open to the having those conversations, I mean, magic just happens because it's kind yeah. of like this aha of, oh my God, you have this, we have this, bring it together. Wow. Like you've got this. I mean, the Toy Story thing was magic. It was so cool, so groundbreaking. But, you know, it wasn't the first time we've done something like that. We partnered with Nickelodeon before and done a lot of fun kind of alternative broadcasts for kids and, you know, bringing kind of the fun and magic of football to educate that younger audience. So we've done it before. It's just the massive power of the Toy Story franchise, you know, combined with the league and the NFL, combined with an international game, combined with AI and the technology to bring to life in real time, a game animated in Toy Story World. It was just really cool. Like all those yeah. things coming together. Yeah. And and to, to kind of put a bow on this, the lesson for brands is really there's there's got to be that mutual sharing. Like what's what's best in for your brand and their brand? Do your goals align? Do your philosophies align? Do the culture align? Those kinds of things. Absolutely. There's it's sharing and, and dare I say, it's trust. And mm. so many times, you know, the, the walls are put up, you know, in partnerships because either you don't want to reveal some secret IP you may have or, you know, that there's just not a lot of trust there. Sometimes you just have to trust that your partner and yourself, you know, have the same goals and that together you can probably reach that goal in a much better way or in a much bigger way with much bigger impact, you know, if you both come to the table. So trust is a big piece of it as well. I want the listeners to hear there's so many philanthropic charitable endeavors the league's involved in, but two that I am personally very much involved in and have a lot of interest in is anti-bullying and mental health awareness. Yep. Talk a little bit about how the league gets involved with those kinds of causes and, and why they're so important. Yeah. I mean, I will preface it by saying that the power of the NFL family is vast. It reaches mm -hmm. every corner of the nation and dare I say the world, because it's about our players and what they do for their communities. It's about our coaches, our GMs, our clubs, the league, our foundation, the partners. Like when you see the ecosystem of what's behind our community work, it's vast and massive. We take pride in getting involved at the personal level, you know, supporting our players' causes. So there's a program called My Cause, My Cleats, where each player actually develops unique cleats that they wear during a special time in the game for the cause. Those cleats are then auctioned off and everything goes to the charity of their choice. So that's one way. Um, and then there's league-wide initiatives, right? Like Inspire Change, that's all about education and social justice. So when you bring up topics like anti-bullying and mental well-being, particularly in young people, those are things that our players care about, our clubs care about, and the organizations we've been working with for years have really worked hard to, you know, to combat. 
This year in particular, we're working with an organization that has a tool called the, the Character Playbook. And essentially, this is a tool that's available to every middle school in America for free. It is a series of classes, digital online classes that just talk about character building, you know, social development. They put you in situations and give you scenarios so that you can work things out. And they they do talk a lot about what to do in the instance of bullying or what to do you know, to combat anxiety, they're very, very important tools that, again, are, are available for free. And so for us, for the league, is it was important for everyone to know, which is why we're leveraging the Super Bowl as a platform to talk about these things and talk about this tool. So you're also going to see, in addition to our two-minute spot, there's going to be two 30-second PSAs, if you will, really talking about this character playbook and talking about the impact that bullying and anxiety has on our youth, because only we can help, right? If everyone comes together, we can actually help combat these problems. So our message is simple. I mean, it takes all of us. It takes a parent calling and saying, please put this program in your school. You know, it takes a teacher telling a a kid how to manage a situation. So everybody contributes. And I think that's the message we want to send out. You know, everybody can can take part in making an impact. I I love the fact that the league is fully aware of not only the power that it has, but the responsibility it has. Absolutely. I mean, I think more than anything, we like to talk about it in it's, it's kind of a dual you know, you have the joy of the game, which brings people together. But I think how we transcend the game and that obligation to make sure we lift up communities alongside us, that to me is the most important piece. Because yeah. only a platform as big as the NFL can truly, truly make a significant impact in, in communities. I want to talk a little bit about your personal platform. And I know you're very passionate about giving voice to those that don't have a voice, shining a light on people who need to be seen. One of the ways you do this and one of the ways you give back is through mentorship. Talk a little bit about that. How do you do it? How do you, how long you've been doing it? Is yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very important to me. You know, I, I came to this country when I was 10. I knew no English. I didn't know what the hell I was, you know, doing or, or where to go. And I think throughout my early years in school and even as I went through university and my early years in, in, in the workplace, there were always people who lent a helping hand, who, who lent some sort of guidance or advice, and they mean the world to me. And, and now, you know, I feel like it's my opportunity to do the same, right? For people, for everyone that's out there just needing a little bit of a boost or a helping hand or a little bit of advice. And particularly for me, you know, I'm very, very passionate about my community. So I tend to mentor a lot of young women, a lot of young Latina women, again, because I think throughout the years, it's just been disproportionate, the amount of help that that part of of society gets versus others. So you know, if anything, I want to make sure I, I I do lift up my own community and everyone else, right? That that needs a helping hand. Well, I get you get massive respect for me because I'm such a big believer in in paying it forward. So much 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 respect for you on that. Now it's time for me to put you on the spot, and I have two questions. Who's had, if you had to pick one, who's had the biggest impact on your career? 
Wow. That is a that is a massive question. So I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say two people. One of them is Al Carey. I don't know if you know that name or have heard that name. Al Carey was the head of beverages North America at PepsiCo. He held many positions at PepsiCo, but that I think he rose to that position. He was really instrumental in shaping me, giving me challenges, making sure people knew I was there and just pushing me. And I certainly would not be here if it were not for him. I think he's probably the biggest person with the biggest impact in my career. And then personally, I, you know, everybody says this, so it's kind of a cliche, but I, I, I have to say it. For me, my grandmother, she was a big role model and had a big impact early in life. I lost my dad very early. I was six. My mom, you know, was a single woman for a while trying to deal with life. And my grandmother was just the strongest, you know, most focused human being and her work ethic and just everything she represented, I think is kind of what laid the foundation for everything. So Awesome. You could cheat. That's fine. We'll give you two. <laughs> and I want to end it with, and listeners to my show will know, so you, I know you can't see it listening, but Marissa can see the album wall behind me in my studio and I'm a massive music fan and music has played a big role in my life. And one of the songs that always resonates the most with me is a song called Lean On Me by Bill Withers. If you don't know the song, but it's all about needing people to lean on yep. to different times of your life. And, and I take a lot of pride in that. So putting you on the spot, spot part two, is there a song, is there a lyric, even a, I don't know, a concert or something music related that has a special meaning to you and why? Oh my goodness. You're really putting me on the spot. Uh there's a poem that's meaningful, but that's that's not music. So I will That's okay. You, well, it's lyrical. There is a poem that is my mantra that I, I read it. I read it in high school and it's just stuck with me forever. It's called Invictus. I don't know if you know Invictus, mm -mm. but it's basically, you know, out of the night that covers me, dark from the pit from pole to pole, I think whatever gods there be for my unconquerable soul. And it goes on to talk about, you know, the darkness and I'm going to come out of the darkness. And it ends with, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. So it, it really is all about being unconquerable and bold and taking those big chances. So that is my wow. poem that I carry with me. Music wise, we could go forever because there's there's a lot of music influences as well. We'll, we'll save that, that for part two. Yeah, I think that one is is definitely my my mantra that I carry with me. I love that. I'm going to look it up. I absolutely love that. Invictus. Everybody look up Invictus. Yes. Well, listen, Marissa, we're coming up against the time. I cannot thank you enough. I'm so glad we met. You're a very special person, and the NFL was very lucky to have you. I will not ask you to make a prediction for the game. It will be epic. It will be epic. It will be epic. And the commercials will be epic. I'm an ad guy, so I can't wait to see the commercials. The and, commercials and will be epic, yes. Exactly. Lots of food. You know, all kidding aside, the Super Bowl is just such a – it's an experience. You know? It definitely and is. It's, it's family and it's community. Yes, and it will forever remain because I think every year I get asked, is this over? There's not going to be any more Super Bowls. I Yeah, every year. And I've been asked that for the last 20. And I think it's just going to keep being an awesome tradition for years and years to come. The only thing I will say 
and and I will push on this, and I may be an army of one, but I want to get the Super Bowl on a Saturday because everybody likes being off the next <laughs> next day. <laughs> Just get Monday off. Just call for a national sure. holiday on Monday. Wait. <laughs> or either or that's fine either or yeah either or either or well listen thank you again so much uh for coming on i re- i really appreciate it thank you steve that was fun well that wraps up another episode of the cmo whisperer show i hope you shared this episode with your friends and if you have not already please subscribe to be kept up to date on all the latest episodes and if you're so inclined leave me a review on your favorite podcast platform thank you thank you